0: Hi, this is Steve Wick, president of drive RPG, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk.
1: This week,
2: Morris, Peter, and Jessica talked about different GMing styles. In the news, Wizards of the Coast is moving offices, Pathfinder 2nd Edition Kingmaker Adventure Path is coming soon, more new Dragonlance miniatures from WizKids, a TSR News update, and more, plus a brand new sketch about the hero's followers looking for more recognition for their hard work. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk.
3: This week, this sorry excuse for a podcast is sponsored by Lilith's Mattresses. Lilith's Mattresses have a unique combination of high-performance straw and hypoallergenic newt-scale filling, which delivers contouring pressure relief, core support, and a guaranteed 87% lice-free sleep. Oh, that just sounds awful. In my experience, people need a few lice to remind them that they're alive. Nothing like a good rash to focus the mind. Well, I suppose if you want to spend good money on a glorified sack of straws, I suppose you should get one. All oh, the tabletop are playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop
1: RPG.
2: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ,
0: as ever. It is a delight to be here. And here with us today, in all her betalent and glittering glory, it's the one, it's the only,
4: it's... It's me, Jessica, from EN Publishing. And Peter is referencing my wonderful manicure that is for listeners that care, because obviously... I think the audience of this cares very much about nail care It's like a light I think
2: manicures are the perfect podcast material
4: exactly I know our audience (laughs) so for for those of you that that want to know about my manicure it's like a light uh, ballet slipper pink uh, covered in silver glittery gems on top so stylish and my toenails match as well so
0: wonderful very stylish that was information I did not have thank you for sharing
4: well yeah my toes (laughs) are not on the podcast it's not that kind of show
0: (laughs) (laughs) Morris's no. is the official tabletop RPG talk It's not that
2: kind of show <laughs> <laughs> There's
4: the tagline sorted yeah,
2: Whatever kind of show you think it is It's probably not that kind of show Shall we segue right.
4: onto the Awfully Cheerful Question So we can get away Should from
1: it Shall we, yeah. shall we? <laughs> all right, all right.
2: It's time
3: for the Awfully Cheerful Question If you have a question Tag us on the socials With hashtag Awfully Cheerful Question Or email us at Morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer it, we'll send you a free book. A free book. We're far too generous. That's what I say.
2: Alright, so our awful featureful question this week comes from this effing GM. Oh, hello. They follow me, me on
0: Twitter.
2: Effing GM would like to know the following. No. You get one item. From a tabletop RPG yes. to give in real life to a significant other as a gift, what do you choose and why? Hmm. I have a question for a significant other. Does that specifically refer to a partner, or can that just be anyone that, who's significant in your life?
0: The significant other does mean partner.
4: Yeah, it generally does mean partner. Okay. Yeah, but I okay. guess for the sake of this podcast, you could pick someone else who's significant. I to mean, you can I pick list. my dog? Yeah, sure. They're significant.
0: So I, I, I have a question. Would say the Starship Enterprise count has a uh, item in a role playing game. I think
2: technically it is an item in a role playing game. Yeah.
0: Oh, in which case that's pretty easy for me. I I I, I think my lovely lady would enjoy the Starship Enterprise because.
2: We, we well,
0: yes, but I I bagged it first, so
2: fine. But drink. the question is, which <laughs> Enterprise?
0: Ooh. Mm.
2: That's a difficult I, choice. I, I,
0: I guess the one I'd probably go with is the original
2: series Enterprise, right? Okay, um, the small one, the yeah, small pokey one with all the with 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 all the actual clanky buttons and switches. Easier to fix if it goes wrong,
0: I guess. Before they invented screens
2: or digital anything in the sixties, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the surge protection's a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the Enterprise is, yeah, I think it counts. Woo-hoo. Okay, I mean, on that line, I, I, I might go with TARDIS then. But we're just that's, choosing, like, super epic, massive, super powerful vehicles Yeah, now. I think uh, Peter's
4: yeah. chosen vehicles, so I think yes. we can't choose vehicles
0: now. I, what What can I say? I'm a one All right, quick pony. It. They're on my mind.
2: So, okay, so, <laughs> so assuming yeah. that the significant other we're referring to is my dog...
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> As being, a, stick, a, being surely. a being who is significant to me,
0: <laughs> I, a new a new conjunction <laughs> and interpretation of this
2: phrase. I would get him, him the Holy Grail so he wouldn't live only a dog's lifetime.
1: Oh,
4: I meant
2: he could yeah. live my lifetime too. Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Oh,
4: yes. don't make me sad about things like that. <laughs> I just had to move my dog onto a senior pet insurance plan because oh, he's old no. now. <laughs> But I was thinking, for, I mean, I, um, for my partner, they are very into Formula One and general vehicle things. Now. No, no, no. no, no. no. Okay.
0: Jess is using significant other in the traditional Practition, sense of the word.
1: Yes. As to... to my
4: romantic yeah. partner I live with. There we go. <laughs> okay. uh, so they are really into Formula One and like cars and motorcycles, obviously something we hugely have in common. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> as uh, Peter chose the uh, vehicle, I won't do that. So I will pick... Um, a transporty item Um, Ooh. so I will choo- well technically I don't know if it works like this but I'm going to say it does so it's a cubic gate I'll choose so it has six sides to it and you can access Ooh. six different planes of existence um, mm. to travel to different locations and that would be useful because they're also from the Caribbean um, and so whenever we go to visit his family it takes a really long time and costs so Caribbean- much money
2: the Caribbean isn't a plane of existence, Jess yes it is <laughs> it's just <laughs>
4: It's a different plane of existence. They have sunshine there.
2: right, <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah, I know it technically doesn't work that way, but I imagine... But you can also use it to plane shift anywhere if you need to. That is the bit. That's the bit I want to use it for. So I'd use it for that. And they also travel a lot for work, and their plane was like delayed by six hours the other day, and they're stuck in an airport for ages. So I think that would be a good gift for them, so then they could travel without having to travel.
0: Fair enough. I'm sure I saw a crown of teleportation kicking around somewhere.
4: Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something that you I You want just...
2: something that can take more than one person. Because if yeah. he were to go home to visit his family mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, but you still had to take a plane.
4: Oh, yeah, that, that would, would, suck. S- that would be... <laughs> Yeah, it would be So half it has the... to be
2: something that can take more than one person. It
4: would be half the price yeah. for air travel, though.
2: I suppose so. Yeah. yeah.
4: Can you yeah, tell? Yeah. I've just booked my flight home for Christmas, and I'm salty about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it was how much?
4: But anyway,
2: yeah. yeah. I, but yeah, I that's suppose, what I'd
4: choose.
0: I suppose if the starfish enterprise doesn't count as one item because it is made up of several bits, several goods, eight, several bits, <eight>, <laughs> all <several bits, laughs> in one,
2: three or four components. <laughs> Two screws. At least three
0: for <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> <a> the
1: <that>, switch.
0: <laughs> it's amazing what they can do with 3D printers, is all I'm saying. So uh, yes. I would consider possibly the bag of cheese. Yes. Which is a level of item. They yes. could big, well, what can I say? Uh, Jess likes cheese and it's like oh it would definitely make lunch preparation a lot easier because she'd be like, oh, I've got spread, got, got my bag of good old bag of cheese.
4: Dip, dip. Mm, tasty. I did consider that as well because, like, cheese That's is an excellent a gift to give anyone.
2: Hmm. Anyway, that is our awfully cheerful question of the week. We will send a copy of Ace Number One to this FNGN, and with that, we should move on to the week's news. And we can start the news with some news about Wizards of the Coast because Wizards of the Coast is moving. They are they moving
0: away from the coast?
2: Um, actually, they're moving to a coast. Because they're technically not actually on a coast at the moment. But after they move, they will be, oh, well, a shore of a lake. Is that a coast? That's not really a coast, is it?
0: No. No, more a the lakeside. Yeah. The lakeside. I'm looking forward to the rebrand. So,
2: they're currently based in Renton, which is a city near Seattle in Washington, the state of Washington in uh, the, the Americas. Mm-hmm. And they are moving about five miles down the road,
1: oh, still maybe. in
2: Renton, to a new office development in an area called Southport, which is on the shores of Lake Washington.
0: Uh, I I, I was hoping that they'd be moving to, like, a more handy time zone.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I assume this is presumably bigger, better, more modern offices or something like that, and it's just kind of like, you know, they're doing very well for themselves. And they can, they can move to somewhere better, I guess. I don't know. Get, Why not? Get, get more, more room for staff to help them with their books, Yeah, Yeah, I guess. But yeah, so Wizards of the Coast is moving. So they've been there for a long time. I think they've been there at least since they acquired TSR in the late 90s. Ooh.
4: Well, that affects... Because is, is it just Wizards of the Coast or is it general Hasbroy places? No, it's just Wizards just, there.
2: Yeah. Oh, just I, was, I was
4: wondering still. if that would affect the economy a bit because I don't know how many people they employ.
2: Moving five miles, so I wouldn't have thought particularly. Oh, oh five miles—that's oh, fine. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, just you know, sometimes when you get people, big just port, have to catch yeah. a
2: different bus to work. is uh, well,
0: that it, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. I mean, this is—is is this news? Oh, sure, why not? Well, okay. It's,
4: is this, yes. Sorry, <laughs> Peter. We'll move on. There's some other. There's <laughs> some other Wizards of the coast news <laughs> that you'll love, Peter, as well. Mm.
1: The TSR news update. <laughs>
4: because Wizards of the Coast have filed uh, an injunction against Justin Lanasa and TSR.
1: Aha! Um, yes, they have.
4: So it's basically to stop TSR, uh, pu- you know, prevent them public- the publication of Star Frontiers New Genesis, mm. which is that lovely... Uh, I It's not lovely. Um, which is that racist uh, playtest thing that they yes. put out before. Uh, so yeah. Wizards of the Coast are like, don't do that. Um, we're going to legally say don't do that. Mm. Yeah, and so on the thirtieth of September, it's noted for consideration, which I mean, I presume means like a someone in a fancy hat looks at it.
2: I don't know exactly. I don't what know that the means, American legal something system. Something's happening on the thirtieth of September. Interesting. So what they're saying is that the, the lawyers are claiming the company <laughs> will suffer irreparable harm to the reputation yeah. due to customer confusion, and that Wizards will become associated with the document which contains racism and transphobia. Yeah, obviously, we've covered before. We know it does, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, there's no, no. I'm not really surprised that they're doing this. Yeah, mm. I think it probably is vital that they do it because I think I think it will end up becoming like linked with Visit of the Coast and you know stuff like that if they don't.
4: Yeah, for just people- from
2: people who don't know the history. Yeah, I don't know what TSR is or the difference or anything like that. It will, you know, it, it, there is a danger that it
0: could start to... This is TSR version 3, Russ. Like, a lot of people know who TSR was and they became Wizards of the Coast. I mean, mm. that is a known thing. So then finding a TSR-branded product, you're going to ask some questions and leap to the wrong mm-hmm. conclusion due to this whole... Uh... Yeah,
2: if you're not following this, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, this literally only stops them... Publishing Star Frontiers, New Genesis, or stuff yeah. with Star Frontiers on it. Um, yeah. So all of the other stuff, like the TSR trademark and all of that mm. other stuff that this they're is
4: separate, currently ongoing. Yeah, ongoing.
2: that's all. Yeah. That's nothing to do with this. That's all set. Mm. This is just to stop them releasing that particular product. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, according to this, uh, September thirtieth is the date the court will consider the motion. I mean, I'm not sure what that means.
4: I guess that, that means mean... the court looks at it and says, is this legit to carry on and let you yeah. proceed with yeah. this?
2: Yeah. Does it mean that they'll actually grant the injunction on that day or not? Or does it mean they set a date to hear I imagine it, properly, it means
4: they what? set a date. Yeah. I don't fully know the US legal system. I don't mm-hmm. know the UK legal system either. I've yeah, yeah. not had to navigate it before, luckily. They've no. not found me yet, so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs> but they do know where you're going on holiday for Christmas now.
4: I, ba, ba, ba. I literally just said because the Caribbean. Because you, you have just revealed. I said the Caribbean. That's there <laughs> many places I could yeah, that's be. It's quite,
2: quite a large place. <laughs> now
4: I don't think they want to deal with the international jurisdiction issues. Thank
2: you very much. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was our TSR update. Then I guess.
4: Yeah, let's move on because they're terrible yes, people. I don't we like. We always want
2: about them. to move on from the TSR updates. We don't like them. Do
4: you want to talk about Pathfinder instead?
2: We can Ooh, talk about yes, Pathfinder. That's-
4: Cool. What are uh, they up to? Well, they're well, they're making tabletop role playing games, Peter. Let me tell you. Really? You'll be shocked to hear. Wow. Um,
0: that, we should talk about them on the podcast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are right now. How meta? Ah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the Kingmaker Adventure Path. So that is coming. It's on its way. So it's going to be released uh, on November eighth. So it'll be available. And it sounds like mm. it's. I don't know much about this Adventure Path. I don't mm. know if you folks have something to chime in. But I it's massive. It. It's six hundred and forty-page hardcover. Mm. It's huge. That
2: is a big boy. That's a hex-crawly one where you build a kingdom basically while adventuring.
4: Hmm. Nice, and it takes characters from first to twentieth level in Pathfinder yeah. second edition. So it's yeah. they're doing huge. Do
2: we, I think they're doing a fifth edition version of that as well. Seem yes. to recall.
4: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, they are. Um, so it's the adventure path is for both. Yeah, for both
1: hmm. versions
4: they'll have. They've also got a Kingmaker, mm. Com- Kingmaker Companion Guide, which has got like character options, feats, spells, magical items, and all these things. I don't mm. know if that's for 5e as well, or just 2nd edition.
0: Yeah. I-, I think it's really good that mm. Paizo is getting with the programme and providing third-party support for advanced 5th edition.
4: <coughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <Yeah. laughs> well, why, are why are you <laughs> laughing? <laughs> it's true. It's like anything that is... An adventure for fifth edition, you can play very easily. Sometimes even better in advanced fifth edition.
4: I mean, yeah, that is that is true. I don't think Paizo specifically made it with that intention in mind. It might have been that oh, level up advanced fifth oh, edition was made was with their that hearts, in mind.
0: Okay, okay. I know what was in their hearts. I know what they were really thinking. Like, right, oh, cool. Who could be with the cool people? I mean, it's only really since we've had advanced fifth edition come out that they've really made this change. So yeah,
4: and it could not be a coincidence.
2: Yeah. Did we cover Dave Arneson writing to Wizard of the Coast then President and Founder Peter Ackerson asking to be put in charge of TSR? And last week or the week before, maybe. Did I can't it?
4: remember us discussing you don't recall this. That? I generally okay. block out I don't TSR things after we've talked there, there about
2: it.
1: There is a as different TSR. Well. So this is the original TSR.
2: TSR. Oh, the original so this is back TSR. in the oh, 90s. Okay, yeah. This is 1997. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, a letter has come to light um, courtesy of Ben Riggs who wrote that uh, um, Slaying a Dragon history of um, hmm. history of D&D book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had him on the show as well. Yeah, yeah. Nice uh, uh, so in 1997 obviously we all know Wizard of the Coast purchased TSR which was basically failing at the time going under. Yeah. Wizard of the Coast purchased TSR and just, like, prior to the launch of D&D 3rd Edition, so this, mm-hmm. you know, this would have been, like, very late 90s. It was 99 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Dave Arneson, co-creator of D&D, along with Gary Gygax, mm-hmm. wrote to Peter Ackerson, who's the founder of and was then the president of Wizard of the Coast. This is before Wizards was bought by Hasbro. It was mm-hmm. an independent company. And he was asked to be put in charge of TSR.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So he wrote this letter. Mm-hmm. Now, this letter is interesting. It's um, It's not a great letter. It's... Mm-hmm. A is typewritten. Which ninety seven? I don't know. But, I, um, that's, that's okay. But, but it was full of typos. Mm. Very full of typos. He got Peter Atkinson's name wrong.
1: Okay, which is
2: embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting how how he approached this. Basically he gets the, the name he called him, he called him Adkins. Peter Adkins mm. instead of Adkisson. And then the whole letter is full of grammar and spelling errors. Now, of course, like, Adkison didn't respond. Oh. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't... It
4: wasn't a thing.
2: It wasn't a thing. Yeah. However, he followed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he wrote a second letter. Uh, and this one, again, to Peter Adkison directly. Again, getting his name wrong, but in different ways. Okay. <laughs> At no point, I don't think, did he ever get Peter Adkison's name cracked. Uh, and tried again. And um, I don't know. It's really weird. It's really bizarrely unprofessional. And letters that are just full of just errors, factual errors, grammar, mistakes, getting people's names wrong and stuff like that. And this is from one of the co-creators of D&D. And then asking, mm. and on the basis of that letter, asking to be put in charge of D&D. Put in charge of the newly purchased TSR.
0: I mean... I've heard of drunk texting, but I've never heard of drunk letter writing.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if it was drunk letter writing, but
0: um, he got his name wrong. It's full of typos. I'm like, it sounds like an angry rant.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, well, it wasn't. I, I, there was no anger in it, but yeah, it was
0: just. Uh, well, so well just, sure, sure, sure.
4: They were just trying to apply for a job, pretty much.
0: Mm, a job um, that nobody asked them to apply for. Yeah. Wasn't advertised. Well, mm. it,
4: but in fairness, the Absolutely. games industry is a bit like that.
0: Yes. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll bow to your spirit of well,
4: knowledge. I'm back working at EM Publishing because I applied for another job and asked Russ for a reference. And he went, Oh, I didn't realise you were applying for jobs. Do you want to do this job instead? And I was like, <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah, getting someone's name mm. wrong is quite bad. Like, I'm dyslexic, so yeah. I make my fair share of spelling and grammar errors that Russ mm. can attest to. But getting people's names right, I always make, try and make sure I do. If you are writing to somebody,
2: get their name right. Yeah, yeah. and if I'm, i think that's,
0: mm. that's writing to somebody, rule one. Yeah. yeah. And especially if you're asking for a favour as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. try and get the name
4: right. Yeah. No, yeah.
0: no, no word is a sound. No word is sweet to the ears if someone has a sound of their own name.
4: When did this all come out? Is it, it come out as part of the Wizard of the Coast lawsuit or what? Uh, no,
2: happened? so this is just some stuff that Ben Riggs. I don't think he included it in his book, mm. maybe for space reasons or whatever. So, mm. or maybe he did, um, but he's he's kind of releasing things like these on Facebook yeah, to help sure. promote the book. So, is interesting, yeah, interesting. It's really interesting.
4: Yeah, interesting D D history.
2: Yeah. yeah. See so, here, what else have we got in the news?
4: The One Ring RPG by Free League.
2: Uh, yeah okay
4: there's an expansion for it now well no Ooh, it's coming out now? coming out in the autumn
2: oh is that Ruins of something Ruins of or...
4: Ruins of the Lost Realm
2: yes okay uh,
4: so yeah so it's uh, a setting book so it's doing the ruined cities of the kingdom of Anor, Arnor even. Mm-hmm. sorry I got that wrong but yeah so it's it's like it's got all the different regions of its pieces in it's got different sites of interest some that are from Tolkien's books and some that they've made new for the game um, Yeah, it's coming out in autumn. So uh, yeah, I, I haven't actually played Friedrich's version of the One Ring. I have the book, and it's very pretty. Mm. But I've not had a chance to get to even play it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But yeah, but I, I imagine this will be another very pretty book. The cover looks yeah. nice. Mm. So
2: this is this isn't coming to Kickstarter, is it? Or is it just coming straight to?
4: No, it's not saying it's a Kickstarter. It's just it's, it's coming because they, they kickstarted the um, the One Ring originally, but mm. this is a, a follow up setting book. So I think they're they're not doing a Kickstarter for that.
1: No,
2: uh, okay. Well talking of the One Ring, sort of. Remember Adventures in Middle Earth from Cubicle Seven? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Because Cubicle Seven had the the one the Lord of the Rings license before Free League. Yeah. And yeah, Adventures yeah. in Middle Earth was the five E version of the One Ring at the time. Yeah. It with, included with Exploration Rules, yeah. Yeah, it included Journey Rules.
1: Aww.
2: Which, um, I'm not ashamed to admit, inspired the journey rules in our own level up game. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, those journey rules have been expanded into a full exploration pillar and made into a hardcover 5e book, okay. which they currently have on Kickstarter. Mm. Mm. So this book, there's t- an <laughs> interesting bit of trivia here. Uh, when we were originally trying to come up with um, a name for Level Up, mm. the shortlist, which came oh. down to about five different titles, Yeah. Of them I, was I, apologize,
0: but, I apologize for groaning because when we say a short list, there was like about 300 entries
2: that muggins here. <laughs> yeah,
1: but we didn't narrow it into down. A yeah. But we did we narrow did it down, down to five, significantly. Yeah. To about five. But yeah. um,
2: Uncharted Journeys was mm. one of the one of the names we nearly went with. Mm. And this could be coincidental, but mm. um, that happens to be the name of this book, which is yeah. a book about the exploration pillar in Five E. Just a, just a weird, you know, those weird kind of coincidences that happen. Ooh. So. I am very
0: tempted by that because. It I is do, a cool looking book. It is. I do like good journey rules, but it is it is it is a specialist subject almost. Is that, I don't know. Sorry. That I mean, it's a the weird. entire
2: exploration pit of I think, And I think it's just yeah. the journey rules. Ooh. What's interesting is it's not doing as well on Kickstarter as I would expect. Uh, uh, have they funded? Uh, they have yes. funding now. Ah, oh, well, they. you a, a company the size of Cubicle 7, I would have expected them to blast past like 100k on the first day. Hmm. And they've only just got past like 10k. They're not
4: uh, like even Like almost 10K a week yet. in.
2: Yeah. Sure. It's, so I don't quite understand what's going on there. Because they've got reach. They've got marketing reach. They've got a reputation. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. I'm just wondering yeah. if their marketing hasn't kicked in yet, or something like that, and yeah. we're going to just suddenly see it shoot off into the stratosphere next I mean, week. the
4: Kickstarter page looks great. It's got all the yeah, information it
2: does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a great page. The book looks great. The price There's, is good. You know.
4: The book looks good. Mm. This is the thing with crowdfunding campaigns, and I said this to people uh. before. Sometimes you do everything right, and it just doesn't run. Mm. And it's 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 one of those things because I think sometimes people think with crowdfunding that. You do all these things and it will go well, and it doesn't. Sometimes some things just don't go, and some things really, really do go as well.
2: <laughs> Even then, when so, you look at them and you think, "I don't understand why it is," yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: So it's just one of those things. Yeah, they've it all looks nice, and they've got some nice add-ons with it all rolled up as well.
2: Mm. Oh, mm. I mean, that was quite nice. I like that.
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great,
2: like, it's a great looking product. Yeah,
4: yeah. It really um, is. I'm, I'm. Yeah, I am also surprised that it's not. Some more well, maybe if people want to check it out and have a look and see what you think about it, if it's for you, Vault yeah. uh, Five E mm. Uncharted Journeys. Mm. Yeah,
2: I think I'm going to back it anyway because I, I think it does look cool.
1: Yeah, mm, mm.
2: yeah, and it has funded. Another thing yeah. that caught my eye was something called Bullets and Bleedthroughs. Oh, which be is down. a Weird West Five yeah. E game from Outland uh, uh, Entertainment. Uh, okay. okay. And that was kind of fun. Um, so that's that's currently on Kickstarter.
1: Yeah,
2: and it has uh, it has funded.
1: Yep. No, it
2: ha- yeah, yeah, has. So it, it was it's, it's quite a small um, small project. So it had um, a three hundred dollar goal, mm. and it's done about one point five thousand one point yeah one point five thousand dollars, and it's got four days to go. So it's a small project, but it does look it does look kind of cool. I do like the look of it. Oh. it's and I don't know. Is there a weird rest? For- I mean, there's a lot of high V powered things out there. Is there a Weird yeah.
1: West one out
0: there? I am struggling to think of Weird West using 5e. I
2: don't think there is. Or if there I is, I've not heard of it.
0: Probably, if I was going to do Weird West, I'd use either Deadlands mm. uh, from Pinnacle Entertainment using Savage Worlds, or I would have a look at Haunted West from Chris mm. 5e and yeah. Hugh Studios. Those would yeah. be my choices. 5e, hey? Oh. Mm. Um, who's Jason Fisher? Is that someone who I should know and I'm embarrassing myself by admitting that I don't.
2: Uh so Jason Fisher wrote uh Papa, Lucy and the Bone Man from the Books of Before and Now series published by Outland Entertainment. I'm not familiar with them. That's just I'm just reading what it says here. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh it's got it's got quite
0: old school style art in the side.
2: Yeah, it's black and white, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Which which makes a lot of sense actually, uh because uh, certainly with such a budget of, uh, what was it, $300, even mm. allowing for a bit of under-egging to make sure it goes, that's it's still a very tight budget to produce books on and so forth.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: PDF's $10. A novel? Is a novel? Oh, Papa mm. Lucy and the Bowman's a novel ebook. Okay. Mm. So you could read about it before you back it, although uh, it's got four days left and, uh, yeah, by the time this podcast comes out, you're probably going to have to be quick.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I might have a look at the novel. Actually, it sounds quite interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right, okay. Um, is there any news that we've not covered?
4: Uh, there is, uh, and I've got a little no. Kickstarter I saw, which I think is quite fun as well. Mm. Just because mm-hmm. I'm in the mindset of it, because I'm looking at Dungeons and mm. Delvers Guide all day, most days at the moment. Um, there's a <laughs> book of riddles. Um, Riddle Oh, games. That's
2: interesting. Right. Okay. It's called. You've caught of... my. You've caught my. i
4: share is... it with uh. you.
1: Excellent idea. So,
4: I don't, I don't know this creator. I've not seen them before. So, they're based in Poland. Right. No. So, Dennis, who lives in Poland. And it's a book. this is their second one. They've made a, one before, a Kickstarter campaign that went well, and they're doing another one. And it's just a book full of different riddles that you can put into your games. And it's also got mm. the different puzzles. And they've set them at three different kind of levels of difficulty. And they've also included mm. hints for the more difficult ones. So, you can try and guide your players through them.
2: Back this project.
4: And it just seems... Click. Done. So on on thinking, <laughs> and it just looks quite nice. They've got a nice looking hardcover version that they're making as well. There's got the PDF version. Uh, I'm sorry, nice just uh, Could you could you
0: repeat the title for me? Uh, I asked for no particular reason.
4: <laughs> Book of Riddles Complete Edition for Role Playing Games.
0: Book of
1: Riddles Complete Edition. <laughs> and for I put the
4: link. <laughs> and I thought that would be that would be nice to use with the Dungeon Delvers Guide as well. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, but as one of your obstacles, maybe, for the Node system. But yeah, it just looks really nice, and it looks like a nice, like, it's got a nice, it's doing quite well, it's well past its goal, it's fully funded, it's got about two weeks to go. I just think that looked really nice. And the PDF version, I think you could easily get that, because if you're just using it to drop in your game.
2: No, I've just packed it for the hardcover.
4: Or you could get, you know, if you want. But,
0: um, uh, I I I thought nine euros for a PDF was a very reasonable price.
4: It is, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah, and it's really nice. I saw that and I thought, oh, that's a nice idea. It's, it's really... Yeah. And I think if you're doing a Kickstarter campaign as a newer creator, I think mm. doing something that's got a really clear and specific thing it's doing and you use it this way is a really good good way mm. to go.
2: Absolutely.
4: But yeah, yes. and it's it's titled very nicely as well. I know exactly what it is.
0: And I've got some news as well, or something I thought was a little bit different, a little bit exciting. This is for DesiQuest, which is a high quality actual play featuring an all South Asian cast. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's no secret that I'm not huge on actual plays, but this seemed like it would be pretty interesting and certainly offer novel takes. Uh, Desi, of course, being a word used to describe people from the Indian subcontinent and their diaspora mm-hmm. uh,
1: well,
0: apparently yeah. so, Joe, You don't
2: often see Kickstarters for actual plays,
0: do you? No, no But it's actually quite a good idea because oh. it's like raising the funding to, to do it get well, it yeah. going yeah. and then once you've got it going then you can apply for a subscription for people and if you're doing the, well then... The yeah. cast
4: they have for this are like famous actors I've had a yes. look as well These are, these are people I know like,
2: well, that would explain why they need a Kickstarter. Then.
4: Yeah, that's why they, they need the budget for
2: it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: Uh, that looks um, like it could be really good. Yeah, I, I,
0: I, I'm not hugely familiar with them, but certainly because uh, I don't know everyone in the <laughs> tabletop space. But yeah, it, it, it looks, it looks good. Um, mm. it's going to be an interesting take. Uh, so yeah, I can see this being quite fun. Actually, ooh, a roomy sword, a flexible sword with multiple blades. Oh, I think yes. Yeah, so I guess they must have been, uh doing a bit of body with that thing in there, maybe. Uh, awesome.
4: That does <laughs> sound awesome. That's doing very well. Yeah, it's yeah, on yeah. over sixty-three grand. So yeah, yeah. Uh, versus 25. a fifty thousand gold. That is great. Speaking yeah. of actual plays,
0: oh
1: yeah, okay.
4: Segway. Uh, so yeah. this week, um, so at Ian for Ian Live, we sponsor actual plays that do level up, advanced fifth edition. Yeah. Um, yeah. and we announce the ones that we're going to be sponsoring for the rest of twenty twenty two. Oh, um, is it? Yes. Uh, yeah? So every quarter we pick three actual plays, and uh, mm-hmm. we we sponsor them, so we give them some money and mm. some assets, and then we kind of promote them yeah. on EM Worlds and talk about them on you know mm-hmm. podcasts such as Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk podcast, for example. Oh, uh, and
0: you've got the main right in one uh, shot, amazing! You have truly arrived. Jessie. I'm a professional. Truly
4: uh, but yeah, so yeah. we've got some yeah. some really cool Ooh. kind of stories coming in. So we have so we have cast party. And they mm-hmm. are a... Let me get up the full details, actually, so I can talk about it Thank properly. You. It's on uh, Level Up 5e on the news site if you want to read about it in more detail, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Of course. But um, just to get them yeah. up. So we have Cast Party that are an actual play podcast, and they're all people that their day jobs are as, like, voice actors or producers, mm. or they, they kind of work, you know, in the uh, entertainment industry. And they, they mm-hmm. also just like playing d d So they make some actual play podcasts that are really good. And they're going to be playing Sounds through cool. Memories of Holdenshire. Ooh. which is like the, in our introductory adventra, adventure. So they yeah. usually use 5th edition, but they wanted to try out Level Up Advanced 5th edition. And so they're like, we'll do of Memories course. of Holdenshire because that's literally designed yeah. to introduce you to the system. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're doing a podcast for that, yeah. which is starting on the 22nd of October, wherever you listen mm. to podcasts. So that'll be a good one. Yes. Uh, and then we have Tales of Initiative, uh, oh. the dawn of vengalia and they're starting a brand mm. new campaign and they're planning yes. to play through from level 1 to level 20 it won't happen all in 2022 because obviously going it's going to be, be too quick a, but, gaming, yeah. but they are yeah. starting this now and they're using level oh. Up advanced 5th edition so it's a, it'll be if you're interested in seeing all the different levels of play and watching characters grow that'll be a really good campaign to kind of watch um, and we're sponsoring now when they start uh, which is in October and they're starting on the 2nd of October and that'll mm. be every Sunday and that's at 2pm on mm-hmm. Twitch. So on the Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great one to tell as well. And Tales of Initiative, we chose them because they're a community of actual play tabletop RPGs. They they focus on telling you know diverse and inclusive stories. So they try and have you mm-hmm. know, a range of different people in the cast, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Table Quests as well. Oh. Uh, and they are an actual play uh, group. They're going to be playing on Saturdays in October,
1: mm-hmm. starting October oh.
4: 15th. And they are doing a heist. And I am a sucker for a heist. (laughs) Uh, So pretty much they have a ragtag crew that are going in to try and um, steal this magical item that can grant them a wish so that they can change the world and their fates. But yes, Would you describe the
0: band as motley?
4: I I would, because they even said the question isn't just if they can do this, but can they stop Mm. from betraying each other in the process? (laughs) <laughs> so mm. so yeah so we've announced our actuals and i'm really excited for that and Ooh. the season finale of the star cross seaway is next tuesday oh. uh, and it is the final stand and this will be the final mm. episode of the star cross seaway so if you want to catch up what's going on there come have a have a watch on tuesday
0: i i really feel that they needed a dramatic sting the final episode of the star cross seaway
4: dun, dun, dun. i've made a dramatic video a promo video which has me singing in it so a sea <laughs> shanty so if you wanted some drama I do but yeah but if if you go onto Ian Publishing you'll see the video up on that I think it's going out over the weekend the little teaser promo thing mm. it's on Instagram right now actually so you go you can go listen to that right
1: but that's for not actual big.
4: play news
2: Ooh. and with that I think we probably are done with the news no are we not There's no, let's not. go oh. Possibly be. I am filled with capacity.
4: Do you know? For news. Do you know Russ? Yes. I think it was a few weeks ago. I know Russ. That yes. you meant. Yes. I know Russ. A few weeks ago, right. Russ. We were talking about WizKids painted minis um, for Dragonlance. Yes.
1: Yeah. And you said, Is yes. there
4: one of Lord Soth? And we had to yes. tell you no. Well, now mm. we have more uh. information. We are updating it. Yes, we do. Uh, so really? now, yes. Uh, Show, me. So, Show me Lord Soth! <laughs> it's literally on the News Digest page. Scroll to the bottom, there's a big oh. image there. Uh, so, the man, the myth, the legend, Lord Soth himself is riding where, a greater where, death where, dragon. Where
2: are you? Where are you, Lord Soth? <laughs> Scroll to the bottom of the News Digest where? page on enworld.org. Oh, there he is. There he is. On a purple dragon.
4: Yes, on a, a greater death dragon. and it, it's, what, gonna, it's,
2: very, it's got lots of purple bits on it.
4: it oh. I think it's magic, wispy bits. But, yes, here's their aloft, as you wish, on a pre-painted miniature, and you can have it for just $120. Hmm. And you'll even get one cent change for that. And they're available in April 2023.
0: That is certainly a very striking image.
4: Is it not? not, not? (laughs) I don't like it. Oh. Oh, I'm upset by that, Russ, because I talked <laughs> specifically because you were like, "Oh, do they have a Lord Soth mini?" And then
1: I mean, we were I like, "No." I do like Lord
2: Soth but I don't like that mini at all. It's horrible.
1: I oh, do you uh, not. well
2: the purple's purple is very perfect. It looks like a cartoon. Okay.
4: Is it? This this new uh, segment has not gone how I thought it would.
0: The news criticism has just gone. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I am sorry. I can only tell you how I feel. That's
4: fine. I'm... That's fine. You let it, you let it out. You have a
0: tiny wee eyes. You got. I think it's the purple. I
2: think it's the purple. It's, you
4: could redo too... that if you really wanted. Get people to repaint it, it for purple. You. I
2: suppose. Yeah. I think but it's transparent
4: though. I think it's going to be...
2: Yes, you
0: can see the um, stand through the transparency.
4: Mm. Um... Maybe it
0: looks better in real life. It's just sort of on a... a, Okay, so for listeners at home who are like... Oh, well, that's a render,
2: isn't it? It's not a
0: franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, what you have is you have a dragon in flight. It's got quite a small muzzle and big horns, and it appears to be wearing some sort of face mask slash helmet. Mm, and
2: and, and, and
1: well, when we like, say face masks yeah. well. We
4: don't mean like a Covid blue one It's more like a, a <laughs> armour protection <laughs> <laughs> It's not that the little All, 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 all <laughs>
2: miniatures and whiskies from now on Will have Covid masks <laughs> Well it's yeah. good to see that they're maintaining the
4: <laughs> 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 Well the conventions um, they're going to be sold at Are a little, you know, c- you know Rife you with got,
0: it And you've got uh, of who appears to be holding Again with the purple flames in uh, one hand whilst uh, waving a sword around with the other.
4: Mm. So, yeah. But yeah they, it's um, mm-hmm. all
0: black and purple.
4: But this mm. is like. just more more Dragon Lance uh, yeah. things from Whiskey and more paint, pre-painted minis that are coming out. Mm. And I was very excited to share lots of the I'm sorry I did not meet your expectations for us. <laughs> 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 But yeah. And I have but more news for you.
2: Mm. What? There's more?
4: So, the Origin Awards
2: cannot be possible
4: so this is kind of interesting you So the origin and they're
2: changing the categories aren't they
4: exactly that exactly that um so Mm. for the 2022 award season Mm -hmm. they're basically changing the categories for awards uh so Mm -hmm. there's 12 categories now so they kind of reshuffled them and added a few new ones Mm. so i'm assuming because of the type of submissions they've had it made sense to kind of Mm. make it fit uh but for role-playing games specifically instead of having three awards there'll just be two awards and they're kind of based on product types. So there'll be an award for Best Role-Playing Game Core Book and a second mm. one for Best Role-Playing Game Role-playing Supplement.
1: Supplement. Yeah. So that's yeah.
4: kind of mm. the two awards. What's that interesting
2: in awards. is t- they change it quite often because, like, in 2020, mm. there were 10 categories. The last yeah. year, there were 14. And now there's going to be 12.
4: Correct. Mm.
2: So, you know, they do change it quite a bit.
4: Mm. Yeah. But I think it's based on what the industry is doing and what makes sense yeah. and... Different people they have in. But yeah, we, we shall see. But the awards take place. That'll be next year in April, end of April.
1: Mm. When they'll be yeah, in at Adama in Nevada. Nevada. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okey dokey. And
4: for now, I think that is all the news. That it, I are you
2: sure? You're not going to surprise us with another sneaky bit of news.
4: I. the mm, Wait.
2: Oh, oh, oh. Can no, I be?
4: Su- I am sure.
2: This is, tra- this is trying. I was <laughs> looking.
4: I was trying. But I think. <laughs> right, I think
2: There must be some news.
4: I'm done. All right then.
2: One GROAT? That's all we get after all our hard work.
4: It's worker exploitation, that's what it is.
0: One groat for each of us, or each of those adventurers, walks off with a dragon's
2: hoard. I've carried a torch for those heroes for nearly a decade.
4: And I've provided sage counsel for nearly five years.
2: Three years is the
0: party cook for me, and this is the thanks I get.
2: Yeah, we followers don't even get a
0: mention.
4: Yeah, the bard songs are all paladin in this and wizard that, but you know, no mention of the poor suckers who do all the hard work.
0: I didn't even get a ticket to the welcome home banquet after we helped vanquished the harsh demon Agra
2: Huh, None of us did. It's just like our contributions simply aren't
1: valued.
4: Yeah, I mean, just because we don't have like magic swords or shoot fireballs, doesn't mean that we're not an integral part of this operation.
1: Yeah, I'd
0: like to see how they'd manage without three square a day, never you no mind. Or if they had to
2: carry their own torches instead of their oversized swords. You know,
4: if you read the stories or listen to the tales, you wouldn't even know we existed.
2: Yeah, one group and not even a mention. It's just not fair. Yeah! We deserve recognition. Yes, mm.
4: I mean the songs and stories should include us, the torchbearers, sages and the cooks.
0: And don't forget the parrots. The interpreter and
2: smiths. The teamsters, the squires, the footpads
4: Exactly. We are just as important as the fighters and the warlocks.
2: What do you suggest? Oh, we go on strike.
4: Uh, we've had several sketches where people go on strike, though.
2: Oh, we need to get our names out there. Show people who we are. <gasps> oh, oh, uh,
0: let's do a quest on our own.
4: I mean, without the adventurers.
2: Yeah, Exactly.
4: So not the fighter, or the cleric, or the, the wizard?
2: Or, like, the paladin, or the ranger, or the rogue? Nope, Justice us. We'll show them our worth.
4: Oh, well, very well. Well, ready your weapons, my brave friends. Let's do this. Oh,
0: look, a mighty
2: ogre approaches. Quick, Torchbearer, illuminate the beast with your flaming brand.
4: Cook, pray, make a stew post-haste.
2: And you, friend sage, recite ancient poetry at the monster. Is it working?
4: I'm not sure. I
2: think we've just made him angry.
4: Run away! Run
1: away! away, 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 away.
2: I think we'll just leave it to the other guys, eh? Malak the Maleficent here.
3: If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Could you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget... Patreon.com slash Morris. Can I go now?
2: Right, so we are going to be talking about GMing styles.
4: Yes, a topic I know a lot about.
2: Okay then. So... (laughs) Well, you have experienced different GMing styles Ooh. and you have your opinions on which ones work for you and which ones do not.
1: Correct, mm. I do. I think
2: my GMing style probably has changed over the years. Mm. Um, so I hope for the better, but I don't know. And I've experienced a few different ones as well. And more importantly, I've read about a lot of GMing styles, mm. many of which I've never come across in real life. Mm. So
4: so what are the know. common GM style kind of tropes? What, the, what would we... Well, I think matters. the
2: biggest, well, there's different sort of ways you can measure it. Like, for one thing you could do is sort of like just how sort of um, theatric as opposed to uh, war it is. it so, is. Uh-huh.
4: On a scale know, of Matt Mercer to, you know.
2: <laughs> to, to, to people who like to just move miniatures around and things like that. And, yeah. You know, they're, they're two totally yeah. different sort of like ends of a spectrum, I guess. But, you know, perfectly valid. Oh, another of the com- mind
0: versus more grid-based. Yeah,
2: like yeah. okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah another, another metric you can measure it on is how much sort of power the GM actually has, and this is slightly an old-school versus new-school thing, but not completely, because obviously there are old narrative games and things, but how much player power there is, as opposed to GM power, is the GM God, is the GM, mm-hmm. or other ends, there are games where the GM is pretty much very much a facilitator and another player in the game. And there's a big range of... And the players have quite a lot of agency and power and ways to... Especially those games with yeah. meta-currency and yeah. things like that to influence the game itself. And there's games without a GM at all. as there's games on. without a GM at all. Mm. I
4: guess you wouldn't really need a GM style if you were playing a game without a GM. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole... The reason we... I talking about this topic is because one of the awfully oh. cheerful questions we were considering was how do we feel about the gm as God type thing mm-hmm. And I think probably that was me when I first started playing mm-hmm. how I understood gming to work, yeah. mainly because I was using first edition Mm, mm, D&D, you know. And I'd never seen anyone else, any other, because back then the the internet didn't Mm. exist. I'd mm. never seen anyone else playing. I'd never seen an actual play. I didn't go to conventions. So Mm. it was literally just me and my friends. And that's all we knew. That that bubble of like six people, Mm -hmm. that's all we knew at four years. Until I went to university and met some other people and they were slightly different. And then after that and after that and then conventions and then the internet came along then I started to be exposed to different different ideas and different approaches and different things. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
4: yeah. I think it's interesting with the, the GM is God thing because I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because yeah. in essence, I see role-playing games as a bunch of adults playing pretend yeah. together. And you yeah. know when you're kids and you play pretend and then you end up yeah. having an argument. Someone's like, bang, I shot you. And they're like, no, you didn't. You need someone to yeah. go they did or they did not and their word has to be final because that that's basically what rule systems are it's a well, way to of, agree
2: none of these are bad games they're different tastes and different styles Yeah, yeah, really. yeah really. No, no.
4: but I mean sometimes I think people say because I don't feel that there's a difference really? between the GM being GM God versus players having more agency because I think you can let the players have agency and be part of the story and have the GM be a player but also the GM is the person that draws the line in the sand in certain things yeah. and if the GM says no it's this that goes. They're the mm. person that that has to do that. Mm. So I don't think they're they're opposed ideas. Mm. That's right. what I was trying to say.
2: Okay. I mean yeah I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to like think of how to put it into words. I mean the GMO's good idea is a little more I think, in my mind than that. Mm. Um, there's also kind of a social a social hierarchy involved at mm. the table as well, which mm. I don't think is mm. quite as healthy. No, um, like <laughs> the GM is a superior member of this gaming group in some way, uh, and, and things like that. Which I, yeah, I don't think that is particularly healthy.
4: That is such an interesting thing to mention because I've had some mm. gaming groups where we have had that issue, mm. where someone at the table has perceived other people of being these are good role players and these are bad role players, right. and have interacted with them as such, and it wasn't the case. Uh, that it that it mm-hmm. was that way because first of all there isn't really a good role player or a bad role player that's not really it, are you sitting at the table being engaged and having fun then you're good you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that affects things as well and I've had other people at the other end feel intimidated by other people because they like oh mm-hmm. these people are good role players and I am not mm-hmm. and- why good
1: role
2: players do you mean like theatrical role players whereas they're not they're not quite as gregarious perhaps it was or a or combination
4: that? of that and mm. also mechanical knowledge of the system because right, okay. well.
1: mm-hmm.
4: it can be either way and i can understand and relate to that because i never know the rules to anything like mm-hmm. <laughs> like but it doesn't i like i i said it's a bit of an extreme thing but like i figure it's fine you don't have to know i know enough to kind of run my character and if i don't know something i can ask like and the, the other player next to me i'll be like oh hang on is it this or that and they can usually clarify and it's it's not a problem so that doesn't Mm. really intimidate me but i know it does for other people but it's interesting what you say about gm and social things because it's it's so complex with gm styles because every group of humans Mm. not just role-playing has different social dynamics and Mm. gaming tables do that as well
2: so there's one really really odd behavior which i don't like at all it's when Mm. a gm will threaten a player's character outside of the game for some mm. other social reason. And that's I just find weird. Yeah. Really I don't, odd. That doesn't mm. sound just, good. I've seen I don't think I've seen it recently, but certainly when I was younger I saw that happen. Mm, mm. And I find I, I just I think it's uncomfortable and strange. That's Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: that was fairly common like the yeah, and that's using, investment in their character. Yeah, that's
2: using your position in the game as social leverage. Well yeah. abusing. Your position.
4: I'm going to use my power to punish you because you don't do the thing I want you to do somewhere else.
2: I mean, it's it's usually framed jokingly, and I've never seen Mm. it actually being done. Mm, If you know what I mean. But but the joke itself is kind of like, there's an implicit kind of like acknowledgement that that could happen. It's just not right now. Mm.
4: I think the reverse is bad as well, because I think there's a stereotype that if the GM's partner is on the table, do they get preferential treatment? And I know some people that left a game because they said the GM was running, their partner was at the table, and they said the game was their partner was the main character and Ooh. all the other players felt like NPCs and Ooh, everything I've never seen that. whenever no. there was a fancy magic hype it was always the partner that got it, and they were ah. a little they oh, were allowed yeah. to have some special homebrew stuff to make their character cool that the other players weren't allowed. Oh. And it was very like yes. that. So giving one mm. player preferential treatment is um
1: favouritism. Yeah. At
4: the
0: gaming table is much like having a favourite child. Mm. It's like yeah,
4: something that everybody does. Yeah. What other oh. things? <laughs> <is interesting? laughs> I'm joking.
0: Oh. What? oh, but also very. I mean, even if you think
2: you're hiding it, <laughs> you might not be doing it very well. But anyway, anyway, moving yeah. on. One other, one other gaming style thing is oh. how rules. That's the word I'm looking for. How,
4: how rules
1: important written, are the
2: rules to you? Yeah. As mm-hmm. opposed to how much you're willing to just wing it and make something up. <laughs> well,
4: we, we did so, an episode on that a while back, didn't we? Did rules as written versus rule of call? Kind of,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, my my rule is if I'm running a game mm-hmm. and I don't know the rule, yeah, I make it up. I'm not going to... Mm-hmm. People aren't there to watch me read a book. Yeah. That's not, that's not fun. Or browse a web screen or whatever. That's not fun. If I don't know it, I'll make it up. If it's, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Whatever. As Mm -hmm. long as the game keeps moving, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of my rule. But there are some Mm -hmm. people who are very, very strictly rules as written. You've got to do the rules Mm -hmm. as written because the GM has to be playing by the same rules of physics, I guess, on a consistent Mm -hmm. day to day basis. And I can understand that too. I get it. It's just that I personally prefer not to slow the game down.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I we we discussed that with the rules version, rules intended, yeah. where I was arguing that this prevents even the appearance of favouritism mm. and meant that the game became more of engaging and learning the actual yeah. game you're playing rather than, what's the best way to black Peter to make sure that I get to do the cool stuff I want to do? Because mm. those are two different games, and I'd be prefer to be playing the first one. I don't think, because... it's, a bin-
2: I don't think it's a binary thing. Though. That's a big, big yeah, statement yeah. between I those two things.
0: I yeah. am in the urging, engaging in hyperbole. But I have played in those second games mm. and the games were favorite favorite players mm. and I did not care for them mm. so that has but a lot of my style has been a reaction mm. to it
2: Well, you're pick on rolling in the
0: open aren't you well yeah oh absolutely because the games master has arbitrator someone mm-hmm. who's there to help facilitate uh, the game uh, which is like obviously a bit of a conceit and maybe works better with modules where module was written by someone else uh the rule system is written by someone else and you're there and you're like providing some stuff which is yeah. its own it's a, it's a it's a different approach i've seen and been in games mm-hmm. where i like to compare it to wheels that like you you know wagon wheels they've got like sort of a central hub and like spokes out to either side mm. and some games are run very much like that where there's a central hub who's the gm and the GM gives each person the spotlight and really only that person. Mm. And there's no... Re- and it's only when you have the spotlight on that you have permission to interact, which I know sounds yeah. like a really
2: okay. bizarre
0: yeah. thing mm. to say, but yeah. like, I like I've had yeah. experience with that and it was wild. I'm like, this is so different from how I'd run it. I actually spent several weeks I in the game. You
2: and I yesterday, because we yeah. went for a walk and we were just chatting about general stuff, yeah. and this came up slightly yesterday, and the D&D okay. combat is kind of set up to do that.
1: Mm. Very mm. much mm. so. So yeah. it is
2: an awful lot of waiting for your turn, and then yes. it's your turn mm. to do something, and then waiting for your turn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. basically the structure of the game. Yeah. So, I mean, out of combat obviously it's not, but in the, in the actual combat, that is how it's designed to work.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's a
0: really good point, actually. Yeah, I guess that's part of that's almost an inherent mode in D and D. sort of like in the same way that Pathfinder Second Edition explicitly states you have different modes and lots that you've got. You're in the mech, you're doing country combat. You're out of the mech, you're doing a freeform, yeah. Yeah. wild. Yeah, whereas in D
2: and D, if you're in yeah. combat mode, you're, you're using it's, the initiative
1: system.
0: Right. You're doing this, you're doing this. If you're, yeah, not, yeah. you're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas, I prefer like a model rather than having this hub and spoke model it's like more of a diffused model, like Saturn and its rings. Mm. So you've got the GM in the centre, but like around it is the ring of the players and they're constantly interacting. It's like they are interacting with the GM, but that's more to gather information to inform the party and the role-playing that Mm. is taking place in the party. Because like, I, I, I can see that people value it, but I found it an unpleasant experience, actually, to be honest. I didn't enjoy it. I was like... Okay, well, I'm 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 here, but unless the spotlights directly pointed at me, then you're not. Then yeah, I, I'm not. You might as
2: well not be. Yeah,
0: yeah. I might I might as well be cracking on and doing some work.
2: Yeah, uh, you're a I'm a spectator. Yeah, yeah. And the people weren't bad. I don't
0: mm-hmm. believe it was like deliberate exclusion, but I realised I'd spent uh maybe six hours of my life allegedly playing a role playing game, and had barely spoken, let alone
2: interacted. It is probably, you know, is probably a skill. I think, mm. um, including everybody in yes. the game constantly. It's mm. not necessarily easy to do, and if you're, yeah. you know, I think it's probably something you need to maybe, well, maybe it just comes very naturally to some people. But uh, for me, I think it's something I have to work on and develop.
0: Yeah, I, I think being GM has referee and moderator almost. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's very much the position I like to be in, where like I don't want to be the centre of detention. One, because it's exhausting and I'm very lazy. And two, because it means that people naturally have more interaction with each other. And yeah. naturally, they're building up the characters. And their characters are going to be much more interesting, because they're far more invested in that single character than I can or would ever want to be in a
2: single NPC. So I think that's probably why mm. I prefer GMing to play Mm, mm. because when I'm GMing I'm doing something all the time Yeah, so. oh, when I'm playing I play I'm time. doing something mm. like a quarter of the time at most possibly less mm. depending on the number of players
1: Yeah, and especially
2: ridiculous. as we discussed yesterday in combat yeah. especially D&D combat and the way mm. D&D combat works I always know what I'm going to do and D&D yeah. combat is famously quite slow yeah, you know, if you're waiting twenty minutes for your turn, and then your yeah. turn because you know what you're doing it takes thirty seconds, and then you're waiting twenty minutes, yeah. I yeah. find that quite hard to nah. stay focused it's, on.
4: It's interesting you say that because as a, yeah. as a, from a player perspective, I do feel that with combat and D anD D, I do hmm. have to wait for my turn. Yeah. But when I'm role playing, I am constantly doing something. And I don't mean I'm constantly talking, yeah. and other people yeah. are having moments, but. When we're having like social and things like that, I'm constantly doing something, even if my character isn't talking. Like mm-hmm. I'm reacting to what's going on, or I'm yeah. there in character thinking how it's going. So I don't. The only time I feel like I'm waiting for my turn is in. character. you feel
2: you feel that you're present.
4: Yeah, I, re- I feel in, very in the moment, present during
2: those. Yeah, that's
3: kind but of yeah. Especially yeah. when
4: we play in person, because a lot of my role oh, playing yeah. will be facial expressions or the way mm. I'm sitting or moving, yeah. and so I'm not speaking over someone and interrupting what they're doing. Because
0: mm. yeah. um, that's and, and could, yeah. Yeah, in person, you've got a lot more options. Like leaning forwards and intently listening to someone speaking mm. really helps them role play. Yeah, I mm. found. Um, and sometimes, if you've got like a bigger group, you can have small side conversations if the GM's doing something with someone mm. else, which helps build characters. Yeah. Now that is obviously not possible with a with the tiny single communication channel that is uh, online. You you can't yeah. do things in yeah. uh, the chat with people prepared to type. And mm-hmm. certainly one game I, I very much enjoyed. Uh, there was like just a little... There, there were people who do more of the spotlight stuff and then there was like just back and forth banter. I think I was yeah. playing a dark angel and they were playing a space wolf between us. <laughs> just like you know, having a little chat and a friendly rivalry going on has a background.
2: Mm. But we could
0: still engage and listen.
2: I found... An article called The Great, the, the, Your GM Style and Why It Matters, The Five Common GM Styles.
4: Well, that was the question Ooh. I asked at the beginning, wasn't it? So as I was wondering if there was a succinct list of, of things.
1: Mm.
2: Okay. Well, let's have a look at this list then. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know whether, I've never seen this list before, so I can't tell you in advance whether I agree with it or
4: not. <laughs> this is a live react.
2: <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is on a Chris
1: site reacts. called
2: <laughs> com, which was the first result that came up when I Googled GM Styles D&D. So, number one, the rules interpreter. This is somebody who will follow the rules as written. Mm-hmm. Their games generally focus on following the rules on the system uses. It's a reliable GM style. The GM is impartial. Um, yeah.
4: So that was like, a lot of the points, Peter, you were saying about rules as yeah. written, how it allows you to play a fair yeah. balance game without favourites and okay. everyone knows and, where we and,
2: are. And
0: coming from a design point of view, uh, just thinking about what Russ was saying about if I don't know, I'm not going to look it up, I'll make it up. That's why I'm trying to design stuff mm. that if you are if you're, if you're you're like aware of the general principles, you can just make it up and there's a fairly good chance you'll be right or at least yeah. not wrong enough that it's a big deal.
4: It's mm. an intuitive rule system so you're not yes. constantly having to look oh. it up. Yeah, Again,
0: due to the laziness of myself, it's like one of my biggest virtues.
4: <laughs> Lazy or efficient? See.
0: <laughs> <Si. laughs>
4: anyway.
2: right, the next star, the simulationist. Mm. This is kind of like the rules interpreter, but the simulationist has pre generated everything. Mm-mm. This creates, and it can create in a flexible environment as the PCs are kind of irrelevant. <laughs> okay, the world will continue with or without the PCs in spite of it. <laughs>
4: Oh, whoa. I'm going to come up and argue that because I think a, a world that you know that exists and a story that will continue without players is actually mm. really good world building
1: because mm. I think a
4: good bad guy does that and it also gives mm. the players freedom to interact with the plot or not because it's the opposite yeah. of a railroad. So say you have a you have bad guy A,
1: Lord Soth mm. mm. rip
4: off. They're going yeah. to do A, B and C. These are their plans. The players will be given, you know, signs to interact with the story here and like guided that way but if they choose to run off and like raise chickens in a village for for five weeks which players are known to do sometimes Mm -hmm. the bad guy is going to continue their plans and do their thing so Mm -hmm. i so i i i think yeah have a plan for knowing what they're going to do but obviously if the players interact with it and change it then it will change Mm. but i I, i
0: believe you would be describing uh clocks and fronts there which are concepts from, say, Blades in the Dark, and uh, mm-hmm. I think maybe Apocalypse World as well. I'm less familiar. A little but, bit,
4: but just like but any system, the, yeah. But yeah,
0: it's like the world is continuing mm. without you, which is, yeah. unless you intervene in it, which I think right. is kind
4: of yeah. cool. Yeah, I had a or Pirates that. game I played where we mm. just ended up being silly pirates and having a yeah. great time, and we hardly interacted with the plot.
1: Mm, uh, but yeah.
4: the GM wasn't annoyed. They were like, do you know what? You are all having a great time doing the things you were doing, the world was happening and you didn't go there, but it's fine, you've had a great campaign and that's the main thing. And they're right. like, and I can use this story again, because none of you touched hey. it. <laughs> so uh, my, yeah. my
0: players are happy. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to do nothing. Yeah. And that that's like my happy place as a GM.
4: Definitely. Yeah. Oh I'm sorry, Russ, you were saying, continue so with
2: the, the next list. One.
1: Next no. one
2: is the modular GM, this is one somebody mm. who uses pre written material exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, is reliant on that pre-written material mm-hmm. however if the PC stray from that material uh, the, the GM is stuck and runs into problems
4: I feel this article mm-hmm. is taking everything in an extreme
1: well mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes
2: yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think there are five GMing styles either I don't it's just what, I what? what came up oh. I mean. <laughs> Um, I think it's okay to disagree with the
0: article. I, I, I think that describes a... I mean, this feels like quite a dated article, to be honest. I feel this describes someone who I might say is more of a novice GM. Because if you want to get into GMing, starting with a pre-written module is actually a really good idea. So long as your group's on board with that and you're
2: agreeing, I'm no, trying article out this GMing say, thing. This article isn't saying that any of these GMing styles are bad. It's just listing what they think are the five GMing styles.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: no. I I mean, it's not
0: explicitly saying that a modular GM is a bad GM. It's just saying that they reliant entirely upon something.
2: And if you well, take it it's like, quite a long thing, they and they like I just read out like two lines of it. Oh, I mean, exactly, there is exactly. quite a lot more to it. Oh, okay, okay. It also oh. says this is a very reliable GM. Um, yeah. It's a GM that is generally very well prepared, yeah. and, you know, and things like that. So, you know, there's a yeah. lot of pros to that, too. Uh, okay.
4: I think, you know, running an adventure path from a book is. Even if you're not even a new GM, I think can be a fun thing to do. I mean, you, obviously, if your players do weird things, you have to adapt on the fly and change things. But
2: My problem with running pre-written adventures mm. is that I find a lot of, A, the backstory in them is turgid. And I find yes. it really hard to read and remember because yes. it's just bad fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like worse than a bad book. It's just yeah. bad. So I yeah. find that hard, especially when you've got like four pages of dense text of the backstory yeah. of the villain and the mo- and all this. Stuff. Oh, oh God! Um, uh, so that I, that yeah. I find hard to deal with, and yes. also I find large map based ones hard to deal with because reading through that, so you're prepared yeah. for what's in the next room at any given time. You're not taken by completely by surprise mm. by that room. It's really boring. Just reading through a hundred routes. Yeah. you know, like, only like a certain number of which are interesting is really boring.
0: Wait, wait, Russ, you're, you're, you're telling me you don't sit down and read encyclopedias for fun.
2: Exactly, exactly. You don't just like, oh, I can't wait to get into this atlas, Whoa, It's, it's kind of really gotten got to the doing. point where if I, if I'm running a site-based thing. No. I would rather just have a vague idea of what, say, each floor is like. Mm. at details of each room. And it doesn't really matter to mm. me, to the players. Like, there's mm. a door 30 yards down on the left, and that's the broom closet. Yeah. You know, if they're in there, and they're in the mm. room and say, oh, is there a closet in here? And I go, oh, yeah, there's one over there. That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. They yeah. don't need to know that much detail. It only needs to come up, yeah. oh, I'm going to go to the bedroom. I don't need to go, okay, you need to walk out of the kitchen, down the corridor, up the stairs, through the door to the left. They'll just go, okay. There's a bedroom upstairs so you go to it, you know, that sort of thing. You don't need that level of detail necessarily, I think, yeah. in a in a map based thing.
0: I gotta say, in the whole Tomb of Annihilation game I'm running for you guys, it became quickly, quickly apparent to me that nobody was particularly invested in playing the hex crawl part, so I was like, hmm, fair enough. So I've read and picked out the bits that I thought were cool. And somehow, somehow you're going to find yourselves wandering into those bits. Who could have expected this chain <laughs> of events?
4: Well, it's like someone is, like, guiding or influencing the story in some way, one well, would think. I they?
2: think that's likely.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the other hats, because uh, that's another metaphor that I really enjoy for uh, GMing. The GM has editor. Not mm. as director, a director is telling you where to go, where to stand, what to do. Okay. But the editor is the one who's like choosing what bits you focus on,
1: mm-hmm. if
0: that makes sense. So that is is—it's a subtle distinction, but I feel it's quite important. Actually,
1: I, that's
2: how I would define a director, though. Because if you're directing an improvised thing, mm-hmm. you're not telling them what to say or what to do, you're yeah. just controlling the cameras.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the uh, the actual players still have the agency.
0: Um, if you're directing mm-hmm. an improvised thing, certainly. Yeah. Uh, as I say, which a uh, like, uh, role playing game is. I, I, I say I'm like looking at it from an editing point of view because I'm deciding where the spotlight goes mm. and what, what, what bits go on the cutting floor. Like, if you want to go to the shops, mm. I can choose to either edit it and have a long shopping sequence or I can say, well, there's the book, enjoy. Mm. Depends upon what seems relevant.
2: Right. Mm. So the next type is the narrator. Nah. This is all about grand plans, big story, the rule of cool, um, mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the story. It's mm. all about
4: that great, sounds
2: big, like, epic, fun stuff.
4: That's the game I want to be in. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's the game where the rules don't matter so much, and the GM doesn't necessarily have to follow the rules to a T. So yeah. it sounds like Peter, you would not enjoy that quite as much
0: um, from what you it, were saying. Well, my uh, I I I have uh, given it the good old British try for several story games. Mm. sorcerer um city of mists several several goes at like that include your campaign um i've run vagabonds of Dachyd, which is a powered by apocalypse meets osr mm. uh i've uh very much enjoyed scum and villainy uh which is a blades in the dark hack and blades in the dark itself mm. so it's not all storytelling games i don't like it. it's just most of them <laughs> right. that i've encountered right. Um, and I find they're actually surprisingly similar because people will end up arguing in a very similar and reminiscent fashion about the rules for what 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 risks one is taking and so forth. Uh, mm. It was really quite a quite a stage of deja vu, but I, I enjoyed my full anthropological excursion.
2: Okay. okay. Oh, the final one is the yeah. author, and this is all about world building. Mm. This is uh, this is the gem that has created a massive, massive world with epic stories, history, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it can be a bit railroady because they've got plots and things all kind of planned out, epic plots, and it's almost like the players are almost tourists, I guess, in that story. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. necessarily don't necessarily have a massive amount of agency in it. Um, so, but it does make for really immersive, really detailed yeah. worlds mm. and good plots. Yeah, yeah. As long as you don't expect too, too much power over those bots.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, I, I think there's that meme about, I'd like to have a D&D game where I just play all the characters and mm-hmm. explore the story on my own. And then the follow-up is, I'm informed this is called writing a book. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it is great having mm. a really good jumping-off point for mm. stuff in the world and stuff, but you want the players to kind of create that and give them some opportunity yeah. to do yes and... Because mm. my campaigns, like mm. that. we started out on a new continent and the, the GM had made one of the players had made a map and it's got all these places on and mm. a rough, a very rough outline of what these areas are like. But it was literally two mm. sentences. Mm. So one of them was like, oh, this feels a bit like uh, a medieval Spanish sort of city and it's quite religious. And that was it. Mm. Uh, that gives us so much room to kind of play in there and expand on that yeah. and create all the detail of it. So I think yeah. when you're creating worlds, keep keep it quite broad so the players can go in and then they can say, oh, I'm from here and mm. therefore I know that the local dish is whatever I've decided now because my character is mm. actually a chef and a hero, because why not? Yeah. Based off the sketch.
1: And that that's
0: what Wolf actually reminds a little bit of what Russ was saying as mm. well, <clears throat> but complaining about how deeply tedious it can be to write, read some of this turgish stuff because mm. there's right answers and there's wrong answers and if people quote know the law and quote then it's like they will object and say well that's not what the law is rather than just wrong yeah. so i quite enjoy playing games where i don't know the law Definitely. because then whatever i find out is completely new but the Thirteenth age book is really fascinating because there's a lot of gazette style information but it's not it's not Seth Insone it's very much like here's a description and here's five other things it could also be Mm -hmm. so there's no real well it says here in this book that page 256 paragraph 2 that that is definitely the way it is there's the expectation that it would be fluid and based upon what the GM interprets so it's it is a there's a lot of very good design in thirteenth
1: age. Yeah. I
2: mean I always prefer starting small and then building out as necessary. Yeah. So you mm. don't need to design the entire world. You don't need to know what's on the other continent over there unless mm. for some reason a reason comes up in game for you to need to know that. I, yeah.
0: I I've been thinking a lot about that. What is the minimum viable setting, the M V S, if you will, it's which a you can
2: Village with a dungeon outside it. But
0: are all the players in your game human? Oh, is that really? Where do they come from? And that, so you that's do you thing.
2: need to know right at the beginning? Or can you decide uh,
0: later? Are, are they all humans, elves and dwarves? But can or? you decide later,
2: though? Or do you have to know right now?
0: Uh, well, if I'm running a game, I probably do need to know if I'm going to have mechanics for it.
2: So I'm, I'm usually... Well, no. I know whether they're humans, elves or dwarves, but do you in- need to know where they come from?
0: I I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, they might not, that maybe you don't want dwarves and elves in your setting because you're trying to do something different. And what about cultures? If I'm running a game of Advanced 5th Edition, I need to give my players options, which means I need to create uh, or create to, to choose from a list or to add my own entries to a list. And what I add in will very much determine what is going to be the flavor
2: of my game. Because but they the play- can keep the detail very, very low. If they yeah. just say, I'm from a cosmopolitan culture, you just say, okay, you're from the big city up north. Don't need to know any more than that right now. If you yeah. go to the big yeah. city up north, then it becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah. That's
4: exactly. But what otherwise, we, that's just exactly worry about the village and the here. dungeon.
1: Yeah,
4: okay. I think so. Sure. One of, I say the law side of things is one of the things that makes me hesitant to be a GM because I'm like, oh. yeah, because I, 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 going into a setting where somebody might know more about it than me, and I'm mm, meant to be mm. the GM. It's like,
2: well, that's what happens if you like run the Forgotten Realms or something. It's like, well, I would never run the Forgotten Realms exactly. because I don't know them at all, and everybody yeah. in the world knows the Forgotten Realms better than I do. So um,
0: that's one of the
1: things.
0: Or if they have like a, a what's it, a celebrity NPC drop in? Like, um, I think they definitely had that in a couple of books. I'm like, well, you're talking about this guy like I should know who he is. So mm. I guess they must be relevant from somewhere else. i have no idea. I don't care. I could care less.
1: Yeah.
2: Unless it's an Elminster or a Drizzet. I don't know who it is.
4: My my DM did that, because a lot of my a group drizzet. a lot of my group watch Critical Role and I don't. Not mm. for any particular reason because like, yeah. I'm not like anti-b I just I just I you haven't watched. You don't
0: need it. to explain. It's um, like,
4: to I feel like I need to, because otherwise people on the internet. Yeah. Ah, that's
1: true, that's But true. Yeah. Um
4: and my DM put in a character from Critical Role in as an NPC at a certain thing, and all the other players oh. were like quite excited, and I was like who is this? Like, I don't know why, where, uh, and they didn't explain to me afterwards. I was like, who was that? And they're like, oh, it's this whole thing. And I was like, okay, didn't, didn't get any of that. Mm. Um, one yeah. uh, Are there any? Are those the five archetypes done now then?
2: Those are the five, yeah. Wonderful. Because mm. I
4: have a question about GMing, yeah. which, because um, I am looking mm. to GM a game. It's not my first Ooh. ever one, because I did you run. You have been
2: saying that for years. I know. But... <laughs> I remember being at U Games Expo with you like three years ago or something. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to GM a game soon. Yeah.
4: I did. I did run. I ran a game Ooh. of Judge Dredd. Oh, okay.
2: Oh, well, okay. there you. It was okay. You're GM now.
4: <laughs> now I, mean, I think it GM. wasn't the you, right game for me game.
2: Well. Yeah, you're a GM you, yeah. you can no longer say you're not
1: a GM
4: yeah. okay cool yeah definitely um, but um, I I ran that but I don't think it was so great because hmm. it was the scenario was the monkey business scenario we did for Judge Dredd mm. which is like meant to be like a showcase of the combat system so it was quite y yeah. and stuff like that yeah. and I don't think I'm that style of, of GM yeah. I think I prefer something more kind of narrative and, and yeah. freeform indie type thing. Uh, and yeah, so I'm going, but, but one question I have for any type of game you're running is about mm. balancing the table with time for players. And I think this is yeah. even more difficult in a narrative freeform game. Because like you yeah. say, indie indie or something like that, in, in combat and things, you have a natural way to go, now it's your turn, now it's your turn. Mm. But obviously, if you're doing a, a, a kind of a more freeform thing, I'm looking to run 10 yeah. Candles. Which we're you yes. know we have an interview of next mm. month, which is very exciting. But anyway, yeah. if you have any recommendations about balancing the table so that everyone gets enough time, because obviously part, you get some part players of the problem there, yeah. of
2: course, is p- player personality, isn't
4: it? Yeah, mm-hmm. some
2: people mm. are more gregarious and some people are more reserved
4: enough. Yeah. yeah, and also some people want more time and want less. Like a big lesson mm-hmm. I had. One GM I was working with was really struggling with a player because they kept giving them moments to come in and do a thing, and mm. they were, they would do a little bit of a thing and then step back and it took yeah. me ages to figure out actually they're happy being a supportive kind of yeah. player they want to be at the table they want to be part of it but they don't want to be yeah. like having the spotlight moment because they don't enjoy that and it took ages yeah. to figure that out so which is another thing but yeah I, but generally what advice would you give to, like, balancing I mean, tables? it's all about
2: reading the table and social dynamics, isn't it? Oh,
4: I have I to have social harder,
2: I know. It's definitely harder on Zoom or something to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to do in real life. I find, this is sound where time constraints can help with that. I find that if yeah. I'm running, like, a one-hour demo at a convention, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the one-hour time constraint really helps me because I'm conscious of the fact that nobody can go on for... More than like a minute or two Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: because there isn't time for it. So I'm Mm -hmm. constantly moving between the players because I have to because I'm aware of that ticking clock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to give a demo to all four of these people and all four of them have to do stuff. So I'm moving constantly between them in Mm -hmm. little, little bits. Whereas on a longer session, that constraint isn't there. So you tend to linger more, I guess, on a a particular player.
0: Yeah. Um, And this is where I find the GM has editor to be a mm-hmm. useful mental framing device, because if you were to be watching an episode, then there is a natural tendency for scenes to occur um, with characters mm-hmm. role-playing or investigating. And I basically had to invent this approach when I had a and d party in the first D&D campaign I ran, and they decided to split up to cover more ground that way because uh, I had a mix of old players who were like, ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho, this will be fun. Let's see how people handles this and new players who saw no problem with this. It's like it's a nice safe palace. What could go wrong? So it's like keeping it in your head and doing a lot of things like switching from player to player to make sure mm. that people who have tuned out a bit, you ask them a question, you, you you cut questions, and the way you do it is you get up to a resolution mechanic, you find out what the result is and then you cut to a different thing, and that means that in the back of your head, you've got some thinking time <laughs> to go yeah. over what the resolution mechanic, what the resolution of that mechanic could be, mm. and it keeps everyone engaged because they're like, "I want to know what the thing is." I I've rolled the dice. What's the result going to be? What's the result going to be? And you can like just keep on moving until, and how kind of fast fasten this with time until you can bring it all back together again, which does require like a little bit of double-tracking in your head, like there's the sort of talking to people and the sort of thinking in the back of your mind what's going on. But once you've got that whole, I'm an editor, I'm like just sort of switching from bit of footage to bit of footage to bring people in, makes it much easier. And it means that you're aware when people haven't had a chance to talk, haven't had a chance to play, and like you just check in with them and say, you yeah, know and what's going on over here? And like you can give them a little bit of a prompt to draw them in. So, yeah. Because there are people like me who can just talk for England. You know? right.
2: <laughs> i was just sitting here to see how long you go on.
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: <hang> on. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think if someone says, "Yeah, I could talk for England," the, the the impulse is just to be quiet and see if they're so gonna going to keep
2: One of our earliest episodes, I, tr- I tried that to see how long he'd go on for, and it was 45 minutes or something. <laughs> What I really? just sat, I sat. next to you on the couch. I was just like, "This
4: is amazing." How long will you keep talking, and that is a perfect minutes. podcast host. If a person can talk a lot, that's what you want. This is the this is the medium for I, it.
0: I am available to be a guest if you want someone to fill some space.
4: Amazing. Bringing yeah. us back to other kind of GM styles, you know, yeah. as well. Do we have yeah. any more kind of general thoughts on? What? Because there's something I noticed. I kind of not sure how to articulate this properly, but there's this mm. thing I noticed, which I haven't had done. My usual GM doesn't do this, and someone else did, mm. and I found it really odd. Where they n- told me what my character was was thinking and felt about something, oh. not in a bad mm. way. Um, no, not so going they mean, yeah. just said like, "You open the door and you see a monster, so you feel really scared," mm. and which isn't unreasonable. But usually, I'm used mm. to a GM going, "You open the door and you see a monster." and then and leaving then it to like, me I to do, go i oh, scared. Yeah. like oh and uh, that's a really basic mm. example but i found that mm. really strange
1: yeah
4: and also and it just felt i felt a bit like from like oh like i had a bit of agency taken away from me cuz also yes. the thing in the example they did actually was a thing my character wouldn't do cuz it was a first session mm. so they didn't really know my my character that had well had you
2: chosen to open the door or was that chosen for you two? that
4: wasn't the that wasn't the example of what happened but like but yeah, no, yeah. Then they they yeah. did they did make my character did a thing that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have made my character necessarily yeah. do. So like, Ooh. yeah. So okay. So then you do this and blah blah blah. And it wasn't just like because I think doing that for moving on time would be fine. Like if someone was like, okay, so you you all decide to go to the pub, yeah. Okay, so you all walk down the street and you get to the pub. I think that's fine. Narrating actions if it's yeah. but I don't know. Sometimes there's just that, and I th- I've noticed it watching a lot of actual plays because I've been. Hmm. Because we had lots of applicants and I was kind of reviewing and watching them, hmm. and I don't think and it's I don't think it's like wrong, but I've noticed some some GMs do that.
2: It's a narrative shortcut, yeah, and it can be useful, I guess. So basically, hmm. we're trying to create an atmosphere.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: Definitely, describing emotions can help, yeah. But you are right; it does take away some of the narrative control from the players. Yeah. Too. yeah. It depends how far you go with it, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: would right. you say would you be happy if someone said you feel a creepy chill come across you as as you hear an unearthly whale? Or would you say I hear the unearthly whale, but I'll decide whether or not a creepy chill comes across me? How is your feeling? No, because you're
4: describing the the sound as creepy, but yeah. right.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I get what you mean. Um. I don't think that would bother me particularly. It's they're not telling me what I what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think is, mm. as long as I still decide what I'm doing. I yeah. don't
4: think, Where's and it that? wasn't
2: constant as well. You know, it's not. Like,
4: no, no, and it wasn't an issue. It was just a tiny moment that happened. And I was like, "This is a different GM yeah. style that I'm not used to." And like i was yeah. saying, it wasn't. It's not wrong. It's not bad. But I'm, I'm, I've none of my other GMs that I've had have told described what I'm thinking or yeah. feeling of something. They've always just presented me with the situation
1: yeah. and oh. let
4: me we do
2: were the reaction. About creating atmosphere, like was it last week or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, recently, One of yeah. It was. and making players feel scared is hard. Yeah, yes, yeah. just you know, the narrative shortcut of just saying "oh, you feel scared" is a much easier option, I guess.
0: Mm. I, yeah. I, rec- I recognise that impulse absolutely, mm. yeah. but I don't feel ultimately it is okay because players have so little control over the events of the game.
2: Maybe it's like, which I know is a weird thing to say. Just, but... just the way you say it, though. Maybe mm. if yeah. say you want players to feel sort of boolean and uh, you know mm. happy Exciting. and stuff, yeah. a, a, a festival or mm. a banquet they've gone to. So you walk into the banquet, rather than saying you walk into the banquet. Oh, you feel really cheerful and happy. You said you can you can the, you can sense tons yeah. of like energy and mm. happiness in the room. So oh, yeah. is that maybe a better way to say the same yeah. thing?
4: Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is, and it's just, it, like you, exactly what you said. You just it's describing it slightly cool. different.
2: I, I find things yeah. like
0: a crowd scene or something like a uh, what one of my favorite things is like having players doing fighting in an arena mm-hmm. and then having the crowd like warm up to them and then just like mm-hmm. their enthusiasm and like you know, painting the picture like you know, they're they're just going absolutely bananas. I mean, they got mm-hmm. someone's got like a, all those big Hulk hands with like the finger pointing in there and they're waving it and. Like, they are super innocent guys. They're, like, you know, just chanting and, like, you know, go on, you
1: blues. Yeah, you know, just mm-hmm.
0: f- f- fully going for it.
1: Mm. Um, yeah.
0: And that that's trying to evoke it, because if you imagine yourself there, like, yeah. how, how would that feel? Man, yeah, being cheered just, on yeah, by a crowd, guess,
1: Yeah, it's just harder recommend. to
2: evoke it than to say yeah. it, I guess. It is, yeah. it
4: is, and I'm just so so much more used to someone trying to evoke an emotion. Mm. And generally... I'll pick up what they're trying to do because if somebody mm. cause if somebody throwing you a plot hook, especially if it's to make your character feel sad because of something that's happened to their backstory, if they're like this situation happens, which is similar to something bad that's happened to your character, obviously then you're yeah. I, I would pick that up and be like, oh okay, we're doing this, fine, and I'll yeah. play along with it. But because maybe it depends yeah.
2: on the player as well, though, doesn't it? Some players will play along with you like that, and some won't.
1: Yeah.
4: Like That's part of being got, a, g- a good
0: player, I think, as well, though. Yeah, well, it's like it's the player, 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 player communication is what it is between someone mm. playing a PC and someone playing GM mm-hmm. and describing stuff like classic examples of things like traps or mm-hmm. things which you probably should be careful mm-hmm. about, like you describing like a a door with like a a whirling swirl of blackness in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like carved from Uh, obsidian with a thousand leering demon faces (sighs) often you can find a player will be like i run through the doorway and then you're left with a problem on your hands as a gm because you know running through that doorway is a
2: straightway trip a one-way trip to the abyss but you did uh, well, decide the bottom, I think. <laughs> Yeah, the player <laughs> did decide that. That, You put that doorway there, and it wasn't one way to trip to the exit. It's not completely the player's fault. This yeah.
4: might be a time I might flag to the player to do that. I might be saying, like, as you're run, your player's running towards the door, you do it does occur to you that maybe there's something a bit off about this door. And then you let them go back, and they can decide. So it's good to do that, are you sure? Like, kind of GM sort of thing as well. Which is yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the times it's like there's there is a miscommunication because as a gm you have the whole world in your head yeah and you can see precisely what's going on and because you're the final arbiter you get to say what happens Mm -hmm. but you have but you communicated this through a tiny little straw tiny little straw of information which they're using to try and see what's going on yeah which is where a lot of things like realia and props and atmosphere setting are coming from so that they also have that they're on the same like mental frequency and they understand it yeah They don't have to have all the details in the setting, correct? Mm -hmm. But they do have to have enough of a grasp of the big picture that they don't rush through a obviously demonic portal, which will lead to them being torn apart by uh, demons. But at what point do you have to stop respecting... I mean, do you respect your player's agency? Uh, I mean, you check, are they sure? And they're like, no, I'm definitely going for it. And then you're like, you're torn apart by demons. Here's new character sheet. Because uh, that does not feel like a good experience, I feel, for the player. So, yeah. Right. I
2: think we're coming up to time. I oh, yeah. think so. Have we adequately covered GMing styles, do you think?
4: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel there's so much more that could be said. But for the purpose of time, we do have to stop. Okay. okay. I, okay. Um, I may have some uh, more questions next week. Maybe next week I will just quiz you on general GM advice.
2: Right. Maybe we could do the worst GM advice QA. and you give us questions and we just give the worst possible advice we can come up.
4: That sounds like a sketch.
2: <laughs> it does. Ooh. that, uh, that's a, that is maybe a maybe sketch. Next, maybe that's next week's sketch. We'll
0: see. I, I do have a small petition, which is because we have based an hour of our podcast on answering this question, potentially we could send a copy of the Awfully Cheerful Engine to the
2: person who prompted this discussion. When you say, when you say we, you mean me. Yes, I mean. Yes. Yeah, well, yes, you're welcome to, Peter. Yes, you may send a copy. I do it. You may buy this person a copy of your featureful engine. Thank you, are you. Very, very welcome to do so.
0: Fine, send me the details. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll do it
2: then. No, yeah, we will send one. Yeah. That seems so, good.
1: Right.
0: I, 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 would... I mean, I will send
2: one out. Robbish, I mean,
4: Zin will send it out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good work, Ian.
0: Good work. Yeah. Uh, no, it just, it just seems fair because we've derived so much
2: content off uh, that's a fairly good question. Mm. It is a good question. A good question. Yeah. Right, and with that, it's time to
4: go. <laughs> yes.
3: Apparently, I now have to read this to you. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to Podcast at gmail dot com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo! Off you go.
2: Goodbye. Get out of here.
0: Sharon doesn't listen to this podcast. I
2: mean, I'm not. Yes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not married to my dog.
4: However, we. No one suggested
1: that, but you.
2: I'd, I'd marry my dog,
4: quite happily.
1: It's I not that kind show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>